morning, uh, for the purposes of this particular series, I am Kai, your game show guy, and today I will be in the role of Alex Kaibeck. Uh, so, <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and get started. Oh yeah, our contestants are looking great. Right, let's give, them, let's give it up. Guys, can you go ahead and uh, introduce yourselves, please? I'm Ruben Mancia. Ruben, very nice. Nice to meet you, Ruben. That's right. Who else do we have? I'm Tondria Hall. Tondria Hall. Oh, Tondria's a little more popular. Okay, got it. Uh, <laughs> and last but not least. Well, last but not least. That's right. Save the best for last. Linda Schmitz would be in the building. Woo! 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 That's what I'm talking about. All right, guys. So if you notice, today's game is Jeopardy, right? Uh, we're going to be talking about the mind of a winner, and so we thought we would put our minds to the test. Have you guys played Jeopardy, or are you at least familiar with Jeopardy? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. So just to kind of break through the rules just real quick, in front of you, you'll see, just, just, just wave it for me, right in front of you. Go ahead and pick it up, Mr. Ruben. Oh, Ruben's going to lose, guys. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, wave it like you mean it. No? Wait, there you go. Oh, maybe Ruben's a contestant. Okay, I like it. Uh, so this is how we're going to answer questions. A question will pop up on the board. If you feel like you know the answer, first one to raise that sucker up, that paddle, that's how we know who is going to answer that question. If they get it wrong, the next person up will have a chance to steal. I already knew where you were going with that. She's like, I'm getting my points. Uh, <laughs> we got it. So, uh, all right, guys. So we'll go ahead and start. I'll just go ahead and start with location, location for 200. First person that feels like they have it, we will go ahead and move on, ready? This real estate at 848. Oh, Tondra. Yeah, can I answer? Yeah. Oh, wait, how do you have to say it? I believe, or what is it? How do you say yeah. the answer? What is? What is? Oh, yeah, what is the Lord Jim City Center? Oh, I think I heard it. No, no, it was like a little squirrel in the background. Where, where is it? I heard the ding, that means that, it's right. Is that the ding? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know, it was like, it was like a baby ding. Well, you kind of right. got it. I know it's uh, right. So. That is correct, very nice. Very nice. That's what I'm talking about. Very nice. All right, guys. So the, again, just so you know, we should hear that ding. I've got little magical angels working in the background for me. They're amazing. So when you do get a question right, you should hear the sound. Come on, magicians. There it is. <laughs> Very nice. And, uh, and if you do run out of time, because we, we do have time on these questions, so if the time runs out, you will also then hear this sound. Very nice. That is it, okay? So, Ms. Tondra, since you got that correct, go ahead and give me the next one you'd like to select. So first, are the dad jokes Joey's jokes? I can neither confirm or deny this. Because <laughs> I get his jokes, so I, you know. They are very much okay. like his jokes. Not? Oh. But you might know, not know the answer. What do you got? Yeah, let's play to win. Okay, let's go 400 for dad jokes. Very nice. Dad jokes, 400. Let's give it up. All right, you guys ready? This process is how you might make holy water. He said that before. <laughs> maybe, maybe he did. I can't Probably said answer. something like it. Miss <laughs> hey, Linda. Well, I don't know if it's right or not, but I would pray over it. Oh, that, that is good, that is good. Sorry, that's not correct. All right, anybody for the steal? <laughs> I'm sorry, that means the time is up. The correct that answer hurt. we were looking for is, you boil the hell out of it. Oh. That's definitely a Joey joke. Ah. Yes, that's right. All right. We all got that one right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tondra, we'll go back to you. Go ahead and oh. select. Let's get those points back up. I'm not listening up. to Ray this time. Lo 
Face the, no, I'm not listening to you. Location, location, 400. Location, location. I like, go back to where you started winning. I like it. This green spot is a welcome refuge should you find yourself stranded in the middle of the Mojave. I should have listened. Miss oh, mm. Linda. An oasis? Oh, duh. That is correct. Wow. Woo! Very nice. Very nice. Tondra just literally kicked herself. I don't know if you guys could see it. It was under the table. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't hear anybody rooting that for me. That is very nice. So Miss Linda takes the lead. Let's get those points back up. Oh my and see goodness. what we've got left. Nope. Miss Linda, it is your We're choice. I will take dad jokes for 200. <laughs> very nice. I get dad jokes, jokes too. for 200. This biblical book is said to provide evidence that the husband should serve his wife coffee. That's a Joey joke. Miss Linda. Hebrews. That is correct. He Hebrews. That's right. She sips Hebrews. That's right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Unless it was Adam and then he bruises on his side. Uh, <laughs> Miss Linda, let's get those points up. Guys, you might want to catch up. Oh, boy. <laughs> Face the facts. Face the facts for? 400. Woo! Play to win. That's what I'm talking about. Face the facts for 400. This is the only number when spelled out in English that has the same, oh, oh. <laughs> that has the same number of letters as its value, Tondria. Three? Oh, what is three? No, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Um, I don't know Roman numerals, I was guessing. The only number that's spelled out in English of its value. You don't know it? They almost got it right, I don't know if you heard them. <laughs> is that RJ giving us the answer? Anything else? I'm sorry. The answer that we were looking for is the number four. It actually has four letters and also is its number. All right, guys. Last one. Here we go. Face the facts for 200. Let's go ahead and see what that is. These three colors are known as, yes, primary colors. Tondria. What is red, yellow, and blue? That is correct. Very nice. Very, very nice. All right, here. Let's see what those scores are. Give us just a moment. So, Tondra, you had 400. And that means Linda is our big, big winner. Very nice. Now, let's show them what you've won, Miss Linda. We have the famous and most coveted thing in the entire church. Homemade cookies from Pastor Jen. And a Target gift card. Let's give it up for our contestants. Contestants, thank you guys so much. I know one thing. Yes. These cookies will make my pants fit better. That's right. That, that's right. It is promised. You heard it here, folks. All right, guys. Well, we have had our fun. But you know what? The fun is actually just getting started. We are so excited for this series. And we are more excited for who's going to present it to us. So, guys, let's give it up for the bold, the bald, the beautiful, Joey Steelman! Yeah! Come on, Alex Kybeck, we love that. I love it, I love the applause meter. That will be 
throughout the month of March, you will see that come up periodically. And what that means is you ought to get down and clap and give a shout unto God. I'm going to read out of Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. I want you to read it with me this morning because I think there's something so important about winning in the game of life. Because life is a journey. It is not a destination. And in this game of life, you can be a winner if you choose to win and you decide to win. So let's think about this this morning out of Matthew chapter 22. This is the mind of a winner. It says this, and you can look at it on the screen. Let's read it together. Jesus said to him, you shall, let's say it together. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the mind of a winner. Let's pray. Father, thank you today. Lord, we're in this game of life, and we're not going to fall short. We're going to win and get the victory in Jesus' name. And all God's men and women said, amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're good looking, and go ahead and sit down. <laughs> Man, I like that. I thought that was fun. I, if you want to be on Family Feud, that's coming up as well. And uh, we're, some of you have put the funk in the dysfunction, so it'll be a good Family Feud. But I want you to think about something this morning. I want you to think about who you are and whose you are. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, it says something interesting. It says that we can have the mind of Christ. It says, let this mind be in you that is in Christ the Lord. I like that scripture because that tells us something, that we can have the mind of the Lord. We can think God thoughts. We can talk like God talks. We can, we can do what God wants us to do. We can have the mind of Christ. The Bible says, let this mind be in you and that is in Christ the Lord. I like that because the greatest commandment Jesus targets is this battlefield for the mind. How many of you know you do not get yourself to heaven? The Bible says, by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, a gift of God, not by works, so nobody can boast about it. So we're not saved by works, but once we become a believer receiving Jesus, we're saved to do the work. And the first work we're to do is right here, to deal with our thoughts, the battlefield in our thoughts, the battle for the mind. The Bible says, don't be conformed to the patterns and precepts of this world, but we're to be what? Transformed. The transforming factor is the renewing of the mind. That's not God's obligation to renew our mind. That's up to us to watch what we look upon, to watch what we say, to put inside of us the good things. And it's important to know that because Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, sistren, whatever things are true, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are honorable, whatever things are just and of what? Good report. We're to think upon those things. Most of the time we do the opposite. When something goes wrong, we meditate on that. When children are not doing well, we, we focus on that. When situations and circumstances that are out of our control, we so focus on the wrong things and we're not renewing our mind. We're adding to the problem instead of letting Jesus have the solution. Renewing your mind is the first step to victory. Because if you're in this game of life, you've got to begin with thinking the right thoughts. It's not about right living. It's about right believing. Once you believe right, everything will start lining up right because you'll start to live right because you first start to think right. You know, the scriptures tell us something important, that the weapons that we fight, they're not carnal. In other words, they're not of this world, but they're mighty in God for pulling down something called strongholds. 
A stronghold is anything that exalts itself against God. Anything that exalts itself against from where you are to where God wants you to be. That could be a sickness, a stronghold. That could be a mindset, a stronghold. That can be a circumstance that is out of your control, that you can't get where you want to go. It's a stronghold. The Bible says we're to take those things captive, put them under submission of the Lord, and bring them down. Anything that exalts itself needs to be brought down. Why? Because Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that the enemy, he's the prince and the power of the air. And he works in the children of what? Disobedience. Disobedience of God's word disobedience of what God says that we can become what God says in his word that's why when you come to Christ it's the cross that saves you and I from the penalty of sin but it's the daily washing of God's word that keeps us from the presence of sin and the worship what we experienced this morning so beautifully that keeps you and I entering in to the throne room of grace it keeps us entering in that's why you need to get here early and come uh, people say well I want longer worship services I say come on time come on time you'll get it along but many times we do the opposite because we don't want to renew certain things in us but the Bible tells us that we can be renewed like a eagle we can run and not grow weary we can walk and not grow faint but it's up to us to do that it's not God's obligation to put that in us he's already put the Holy Spirit in us it's now our obligation to start thinking differently to elevate our thoughts and when we elevate our thoughts we elevate our life but many times because of our living conditions how we were raised what we were going through or what we're currently battling we refuse to do that but you have to to be a winner you have to have a mind of a winner you got to decide what you want Psalms 37 verse 4, delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart I like that. That's not good on the applause meter, but I still like it because the desires of our hearts are what God is after. God wants to fulfill the desires of our heart. God longing to be good for us. He's longing to heal us. He's longing to provide for us. That's why a service like tonight is so important. God's longing to do more than he can do in services even like this. He wants you to go a little deeper unto him. But you have to think differently so you can receive differently. What are the desires of your heart? I think the first step to get where you want to go is decide what you want. The first step from where you are to where you want to be, you have to decide what you want. You have to decide it. Before you get up in the morning, you got to decide what type of day it's going to be. Before you do something, you got to decide what you want. A father and son were having a conversation, and the son said, Daddy, I want to marry a beautiful woman. Dad, I want to marry a brilliant woman. Dad, I want to marry a woman that will make me happy the rest of my life. And the father said to his son, son, make up your mind. <laughs> Got to make up your mind. It's true. I asked you this morning, what do you want to accomplish? What is it? What do you want to experience? What does success look like to you? The definition of success for some people and other people are vastly different. Think about it. What does success look like to you? When you started off as a baby, you knew exactly what you wanted. Think about it. When you were a baby, you know that this didn't taste good, so you, you spit it out. 
When it tasted good, you were like, you devoured more, and then you went more, more, more. You knew exactly what you wanted. You had everything there to take care of your needs when you were happy, when you were sad, when you needed to be rocked. You knew exactly what you wanted. You knew exactly how to be held, how to be rocked. You were very clear about what you wanted. That's how I went to bed last night. I'm like, rock me to sleep, Jennifer. And she did. She's gracious. But then somewhere along life's journey, we get older and things come against us and, they're, and they're, then, then stuff happens. And if I was to take out a pen and paper right now and give every one of you a pen and a paper and said, hey, write out conclusively in one sentence what you want out of life. Take a pen, take a paper, what I give you, and write out why, why we did a few months back or last month, we, we gave out a vision statement out of Habakkuk chapter 2, writing your vision for 2020, to have a year of overflow, spiritual, uh, of emotional, financial, relational goals, write them out. Because most people, if I, I said, write out conclusively what you want, most people can't do it. Because they do not know what they want. They've lost contact with who they really are are most people can't do it what happened why did that happen i can tell us why because somewhere along life's journey someone came along and they told you something you didn't like they said don't touch that you can't do that you don't really feel that way. Come on. Don't start doing that. Don't try to accomplish that. Don't try to go there because you're going to be let down and you're going to be disappointed the rest of your life. And the result, you started living someone else's dream. You lost contact with who you really are. In the name of being sensible, you became someone else and you became numb to what God's put in you, a dream, a calling, a gift, a desire. You lost contact with the most important person on the planet, you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's why it's so important to find out and decide what you want. When you ask young people what they want out of life, they cannot conclusively tell you because they really don't know what they want to do. So I want you and I to do something today. I want you to stop settling for less than what you want. Stop it. If it's holy, if it's godly, if it has divine purpose, set your hat for it and go after it and don't quit until you get it. Because you and I, we cannot change what we will not confront. So you have to start confronting this issue with your mind, how you're thinking about things, how you're perceiving things, how you're receiving information, how you're giving out information. Is it filtered with the right lens? Are you seeing it the way God sees it? Because you cannot be happy living someone else's life. It's so important. If you copy somebody else's lifestyle, the best you'll ever be is number two. And why be a cheap carbon copy when God has made you such a wonderful original? He's made you an original. God has given you a spiritual GPS. You know what that is? That's called the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit lives on the inside of all believers. How does a GPS work? Have you thought about it? Actually, a GPS bounces off three satellites. This is true. And it pinpoints where you are and it tells you where to go with frightening accuracy. You have God the Father. You have the Son, Jesus Christ. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. Bounce it off the Word of God. It'll give you accuracy every single time. It will not fail you. Can I get a witness this morning? God said, 
I'll give you the desires of your heart. That's what God said. I didn't say that. I might give you a hamburger and a smile. I might buy you a milkshake or take care of something, but God said, I'll go further than that. I'll give you the desires of your heart, but you have to start deciding what you want. I'll give it to you, but you have to stop living someone else's dream to get there. And when you start dreaming, can I encourage you this morning? Dream big. Because you serve a big God who says nothing is impossible to them that believe. Dream big. That's why I tell everybody, what's the culture that we're to have? The culture of all of us as believers, especially in this ministry, you have to realize who you work for. You're not working unto man. You're working unto God. Once you establish that, it, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, you're not working for the, the children or the husband or the boyfriend, you're working unto God. Whether you have a Fortune 500 business, whether you're in full-time ministry, whether you drive a truck all day, you're not working unto man. You're working unto to God. After you discover that revelation, then the next thing you have to do is believe. You have to believe all things are possible. You have to believe nothing's impossible to you and your God. You are a majority. And after you realize who you work for, and after you realize all things are possible, then your obligation is not quitting. Don't quit, because if you don't quit, you'll win. Can we give the Lord a hand clap if we're excited about winning in life? So I think about that, because what would you attempt to do for God if you knew you could not fail? If failure wasn't an option, what would you attempt to do? Would you go back to school, get that degree? Would you get your master's degree, a bachelor's degree? Would you go back to a vocationary school? Would, would you start that business? Would you, would you love again? Would you decide to get married again? What would you attempt to do for God if you knew failure was not an option? Start dreaming it so you can become it. Because when you see little, all you're going to get is what you see. One guy told me years ago, he said, Joey, I'm wild. I, I, I'm wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. He said, unfortunately, my dreams aren't very wild. And people kind of snicker at that, but that's a lot more truth in that statement than many people care to recognize. Because when you see little, that's what you're going to get. John Kennedy dreamed of a day where man would get onto the moon and it became a reality. Why? Because before man ever stepped on the moon, he believed it could happen before it actually happened. Dr. King dreamed of a day where men and women would be free from racial prejudice and, and, and all that junk of racial injustice. We're not as good as we can be, but we're a lot better than we used to be because of the power of a dream. You know, I read an article about Bill Gates. Bill Gates dreams of a day where homes are so ran by computers. All the things in a home are run by a series of computers. Your home becomes so high-tech in Bill Gates' dream that if your heart pacer surges, your garage door opens up. A little too high-tech for my blood, but nevertheless, he's dreaming it, and most of it is becoming a reality. Now we got cars that park themselves, drive themselves. This is a crazy world in which we live. If I could just get somebody to take care of this, we would be set and ready. But all of us have dreams, and those dreams require actions, because a dream without a fantasy is just a strategy. You know, I had a dream years ago, and I had a dream that kids can get a place to stay and get them off the streets. 
That dream became a reality in 2010. And as a result, we opened up the first Lord's Gym right behind Kaiser, a, a small little building of 8,500 square feet. And every time I would have that dream of, of growing that thing and believing for more, I would always drive by that former Copeland's building that was dormant and empty. To give you an idea, the old Lord's Gym was 8,000 square feet. The new city center is 30,000 square feet. And that takes a dream. It takes, it, takes it takes persistence. It takes believing God for the impossible to become a reality. And that dream is a reality. And as a result of that, just last Thursday, we, we put a portion of that dream of, of that distribution center, of being a food bank for the San Joaquin Valley, a reality. There's no church that can be a food bank. There's not a church that can do it. But because of the Lord Jim City Center, we got certified to be a licensed food distribution bank at a supernatural miracle because of the power of a dream. I have other dreams that I'm believing God for this day. A dream of mine always as a traveling minister, I'd go to churches all over America, whether they were small or larger, and I'd always say to myself, oh, I wouldn't do that. That's hokey. Oh, that looks, that looks, that looks cheap. That looks tacky. Oh, that looks like it runs people off. And I'd always had a dream to build God a house for his people to come dwell in. Now, I know the church building are not God. We, we, we know that. But I always had a dream that God would allow us to build him a house. And this is not that. This is a reflection reflection of building the city center first for those kids. But there's coming a day, I told somebody uh, the other day, they said, well, where's the church? I said, it's behind the mall. I said, it doesn't look good on the outside. But I said, when you come in, it sure looks like an oasis. It's beautiful on the inside. It's a representation of the dream to come. But you have to get around people that elevate your thinking. When we first bought the Lord's Gym City Center, it was way beyond our thoughts. We couldn't imagine paying millions of dollars. We didn't have any means to do it. And I had a building on the south side. I'm talking about not giving up, deciding what you want, believing God for a dream in your life. And we had a, a building on the south side that was given to us, a church that had closed down and they weren't doing anything anymore. And so they came to us and said, would you take on the church? We'll give it to you. And I remember telling them, if I take it, I'm going to sell it eventually, and I'm going to put those resources toward a youth center. We're going to build a larger youth center for kids. And so they agreed, and they gave us the building. And for three and a half years, we transformed it, made it a beautiful church. We had church services over there. I'd go at 4 o'clock. I'd go on Saturdays. And it was time to buy the Copeland's building. And I'll never forget it because I got a call that said, you know, Joey, that church that was given to you, there's actually money owed on that building. And they owe money. And I was so devastated. I was thinking so little. I said, no, they're supposed to give us this building. Now there's owing money. I can't, I, can't, I can't do anything with it anymore. I can't actually take that building. And I'll never forget, I called a friend, a, a man that believes for greater things, a man who lives in a wider spectrum of believing for greater and believing for kingdom things. And I'll never forget talking to my friend. Y'all need people like that. You need people like that who will get you to think and rise higher. And so I called him, sharing with him my little plight on, man, I can't, I, I can't believe it. There's money owed on that South Church building, and they didn't tell us that, and I can't, I can't do what we need to do. And I never forget him sharing with me. He says, Joey, why do you care about such a little amount? That's nothing in the eyes of God. He said, there'll come a day when you'll use that facility for your next step of your divine dream. 
And can I tell you, friends, we use that facility just like I declared when we talked about getting it. We use the funds from the sale of that facility. We're instrumental in buying the Lord's Gym City Center. Without that resource, we couldn't have started to purchase that Lord's Gym City Center. So I tell you that for this reason. God will give you the desires of your heart. But you have to start dreaming big because we serve a big God. Do you know God dreams? Think about this. Let's go a little deeper in the next 10 minutes. Can you give me another 10? The rest of you, you're going to be held hostage. But let's go a little deeper because many people think that God doesn't dream. But God has dreams. Just as you and I have dreams, God has dreams. Do you know God the Father dreamed? He dreamed of a day where all men and all women, all ages of all generations, he dreamed that ordinary men and women could become heirs and joint heirs with his son Jesus Christ. That their sins, that what they've done could be totally and instantly forgiven by one single prayer. God dreamed that confession of Christ as Savior and Lord would catapult them into everlasting life, that those sins would be buried in the deepest sea, never to be brought against them anymore, that mankind could be healed from sickness and disease through faith in God, that poverty can be conquered through a work ethic. That means you go to work unto the Lord, and at favor can come to you by tithing and giving your offerings unto the Lord. And let me encourage you, if you're not tithing, you do not know the prosperity that's waiting for you. God has greater things for you. You do not need to win the lottery. You need the Lord of glory. You need the Lord. God's dream. Catch this. He dreamed that you and I could have everlasting life. That was God's dream. And he put his dream into action by sowing the seed of his son, his only son, Jesus. You do not need to drink from some mythical fountain. Jesus Christ said, I am the water that you thirst from me. You'll never run thirsty again. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the one. When you come unto me, I won't turn you away. He is the everlasting lasting. He is the one true God. He is the mighty one of Israel. He is Jesus Christ, the one and only. Can you put your hands together and thank God for Jesus Christ? The applause meter should have kicked in, but it's cool. You did it for it. But Christ went to the cross, and think about this. He made that dream a reality as the Chris comes and we close our time. If you know Jesus, if you received him as Lord, then you are destined to win. You are doomed to succeed. Did you hear that phrase this morning? You are doomed not to fail. You're not doomed to be a dropout. You're doomed to be a success. You're doomed to succeed. God has called you and I winners when we receive his son Jesus. God's dream becomes a reality. Every man, every boy, every girl, every young, every old pauper prince, doesn't matter, prime minister, from the fallen to the upright, it doesn't matter. Anybody that receives the Lord, they start to fulfill God Almighty's dream. God gives you a crown of life. He gives you a dazzling robe of righteousness. He gives you a mansion on the hills of glory. He puts you by the river of life so you can rest a little while. That's God's dream becomes a reality. And every one of us as as believers. Do I have any believers in the house today? I think there's something so important about having the mind of a winner because oh, I love it. <laughs> there you go. That's good. Come on. That's not hokey. That's Joey. 
<laughs> the team was saying, that's hokey. And I said, that's not hokey, that's Joey. But the, <laughs> yeah. but the mind of a winner is not defeated by failure. You have to know that today because all of us have failed a time or two. Everybody fails. Everybody makes mistakes. You look at the life of people who are successful, business people, multimillionaires, entrepreneurs, successful parents, successful business people, teachers, you, who you think is successful, you look at their life. And if you were, if you were able to talk to them or read their biographies, They've, they've failed on many to topics. they failed in many ways. Watch the life of multi-million and billionaires. They'll tell you they went broke many times over before they learned how to be successful. And the next time they became more successful as a result of what they learned in their failure. You know, failure is a great teacher. Failure is a bruise, not a tattoo. But many people look at failure as final. They look at failure as, that's it. You won't have to touch a hot stove but once. Failure is not fatal, nor is failure final. I'm writing a book right now, and in my book, I have my story. Everywhere I go outside of Stockton, not in Stockton, because people take me super for granted. But every time I go out of Stockton, and I tell them all that we've done here and everything the Lord has done, they're like, you should write that in a book. That's amazing. It's a miracle. Ah, my gosh. And so I am. But I'm on my chapter right now. I'm on the failure chapter. Because there's many things in ministry this that, that I'm failing in, not, not in personal life, I'm talking about ministry. I'm, not, I'm writing a book and right now I'm failing on a lot of fronts. And there are things that I'm not happy with and things that if I just laid down and took it and I didn't get back up, that would make me a failure. Falling down doesn't make me a failure, staying down makes me a failure. All of us has failed. Failure is not final, nor is failure fatal. Here's what failure merely is. It's someone's opinion about your achievement. That's what failure is. It's merely someone else's opinion about your achievement. Catch this. Look at the cross. Those of us that understand the cross, everyone that was there that day looked at that cross and they looked at it as an absolute failure. The Romans who worshiped power, there was nothing powerful about that cross. They worshiped power and they looked at that quivering mass of the Son of God and they said, that's not power. He's an absolute weakling. He can't even save himself. What a failure. The Greeks who worshiped beauty, there was nothing beautiful about the cross and how the Son of God was tortured and beaten beyond recognition. It was a failure to the Jewish people in their Torah, in their writings. Anybody who was hung upon the tree, the Torah says, was accursed. And if God was a God of love, and if God was Jesus' Father, and if He is a God of love, how could He curse His Son by hanging Him on a cross? Failure. The disciples scattered in terror. They were hiding behind locked doors. To them, it was a failure. But the cross, I said the cross was the greatest spectacle, the greatest spiritual success in the history of the world. Death, hell, and the grave were defeated. Sins were forgiven. Disease and sickness were conquered. You and I, being non-Jewish people, were grafted in. We're called Gentiles. We're grafted into the taproot, the original root of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The riches of Abraham are ours for the taking. Failure is not Final. Can I get a witness this morning? It's not. But it is if you have a religious spirit.
failure is final if you're religious. Because many times in religion, if you fall, you fail, they'll step over you. And they'll never pick you back up. Religion will kick you out and then judge you for leaving. Some of you will get that on the drive home. How can they kick me out and then judge me for leaving? That's what religion will do. Failure is not final unless you have a religious spirit. If you have a religious spirit, then it is final. Jesus, however, is our example. And Jesus never disconnected with anyone who made a major mistake in life. Not ever. Look at Peter. The great apostle, he denied the Lord. He failed on so many occasions, three different occasions. If he denied, he, he literally said, I don't know the man. He's in front of an 18-year-old girl, and he's saying, I don't know God. And the scriptures say he starts cursing. The reason he starts cursing so they don't know that he belonged to the Galilean. And when people do that, they're a representation of not belonging to Jesus. Because Peter shows us that if you want to disconnect from God, start cursing. And that's what Peter showed. I don't know him, and he starts cursing. So some of you need to watch your language. And realize, start thinking differently and speaking differently. And it's important because if Peter, who does that, Peter's hanging over the pit of hell. How do you know? Because the Bible says, if you're ashamed to confess me in front of man, I'll be ashamed to confess you in front of my father. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. He's hanging from the very pit of hell. And Jesus raises from the dead. And guess what he does? He says, go tell my disciples and Peter. Peter, the one who had his mouth in motion before his brain got into gear. You ever meet people like that? mouse in motion before their brain gets into gear that's Peter always saying something and not thinking it through and Peter denied the Lord and Jesus fixes Peter a, a meal of restoration and as a result of that Peter became one of the greatest apostles in the history of the church oh what an example what an example what an example what about Judas walking toward Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, who knew Judas would betray him, he knew who Judas was. Judas sold him for 30 pieces of silver. How did Jesus greet him? He didn't thrust him through with the Roman sword. He said, why have you come, friend? He was saying to the last moment of his life, if you're willing, I'll forgive you. I'll take you back, and we could start over again. That's Christianity. That's Christianity. How about David, a man after God's own heart? He kills Uriah in cold blood. He wants Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, and so he kills him. He commits adultery. God forgave him totally. David didn't resign from being king, not for a day. And if you read the prophet Ezekiel, Ezekiel tells us that David is going to rule in the millennial kingdom right by Jesus. He's going to rule as a monarch, not on the same level, of course, but as a monarch with the millennial kingdom with Jesus. So what I'm saying to you is simply this. If God has forgiven us, if God has forgiven you, 
if you've confessed it and let it go, then why don't you forgive yourself? I'm looking at some of you, and there are reasons beyond explanation why you don't get involved, why you don't do things, and it's because you can't forgive yourself. I'm saying this as plainly as I can speak. The blood of Jesus Christ has washed you whiter than snow. It's been taken off your record. You're a child of God. It's forgiven. It's forgotten. Now move on. Move on. Because everyone will fail you. Everyone will fail you. Even you will fail you. That's why forgiveness is the key that unlocks the handcuffs of hatred. It unlocks the chains of bitterness. Forgiveness is the key. And when you forgive yourself and forgive others, instantly your mind starts to get renewed. And that's why you can't be crippled by your past. The Bible says forgetting those things which are behind you, reaching toward what lies ahead, press toward the mark. There's something for you to do. It's a high calling. It's the prize that's in Christ the Lord. God has something for you to do. He doesn't want you to live by yesterday's pain. He doesn't want you to live by yesterday's success. If you made a, a great, successful year last year, wonderful. Believe God for greater things this year. Because leadership demands constant achievement. And there are men and women in this room. All of us are leaders. I used to not think that. I really didn't think that in church world. I used to think, no, not everybody's a leader. Leaders are, no, not everybody. And then I realized, no, everybody is a leader. Everybody is a believer, is a leader. Notice how I said it. Every believer is a leader because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside. So you have an obligation to renew your mind and start thinking like God wants you to think and doing what God wants you to do. God is stirring this up today because he wants you out of that comfort zone. When the mother eagle begins to stir those eaglets up because she wants them out of the nest. The first thing that happens, she starts taking all the, all the feathers out of that nest. So now the little eaglet tries to nestle up to the feathers, but they're no longer there. So the little eaglet can only nestle up to thorns, and the eaglet becomes uncomfortable and starts moving around in that nest. Then the mother eagle comes and nudges that eaglet out of that nest to the edge of the cliff. And as the eaglet is over the edge of that cliff, the mother then begins to do something else. She throws the eaglet off the cliff and begins to see if the eaglet can fly on their own. And the eaglet begins to flounder and flop and doesn't be able to fly. And as it's about to hit the ground, splat and die, the mother eagle comes down, swoops up the eaglet, brings it back to the top of the mountain and says, catch your breath. Your next flying session is beginning shortly. That's God's message to us. Just when you think you've got everything figured out and you've got everything going, God said, no, I'm going to stir that nest up. I'm going to take everything comfortable out of that nest because I want you out of your comfort zone. I want you to start believing differently. I want you to start talking differently. I want you to start acting differently. I want you to start having a spirit of generosity and having the kindness of Christ and ignite hope everywhere you go. I want you as a church to start living corporately together as fellow believers, not coming and 
and going, but engaging in to make a difference that will last from generation to generation. I want you to start realizing that you are essential for God's plan to be accomplished on this earth. Church, it's time for you to start elevating your thought life and elevating how you look at yourself and realize God wants to stir the nest up to get you out. And he says, fly, fly, fly to your divine destiny. Fly to your divine growth. I've got something for you to do. I've got something for you to accomplish. Your best days are out in front of you. Healing's for you. Joy is for you. Peace is for you. I've got great things because I am a great God.